Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. So, does anybody remember what our theme for 2020 is? Power of presence. Excellent. Excellent. The power of presence. Whose presence? Christ's presence in you. And then, of course, your presence in God. And finally, very important, your presence in other people's lives. That's what we're working on the next 300 and some odd days. So let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. Turn to the uh, book of Genesis in chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. This is the first time that the word presence is used in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, we, we do not want to be ones who will hide ourselves from you. We know, dear Heavenly Father, that you designed us to have fellowship with you, and you desire fellowship with us. You desire that we would want to be in your presence. But sadly, sin has destroyed that, and and so, Father, you had to send your Son so that we could once again be restored and have that sweet fellowship. Your presence in our lives and our presence in you will empower us so that we can have a profound impact and influence as we are in the presence of others. And I would pray, Father, this year we would realize just how critically important it is for us to allow you into our lives and for us to choose and desire to be in your life so that we might bring your love and your glory and your magnificent character into every conversation and into every relationship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my lesson today is The Three Facets of the Power of Presence. I made a statement last week, and I want to share it once again. There's absolutely no substitute for face-to-face presence in a relationship. Let me say that once again. There's absolutely no substitute for face-to-face presence in a relationship. And I say that because the scriptures define the word presence, and both in the Hebrew and the Greek, the word presence means to turn to so that you might see face-to-face. And in the the Greek word, it actually means to turn to -to face-to-face and look into the eyes. That's actually what the word presence means in both the Hebrew language and the Greek. 
And so God came into the garden and he wanted so much to talk with and spend time with the most beautiful of his creation, man and woman. And yet they didn't want anything of it because they knew as soon as God looked them in the eye that he would realize that they had fallen short, that they had chosen to live life for themselves selfishly instead of live life for him. You know, the Bible says sin separates. So this presence is very, very important, the power of presence. You see, real relationships, genuine relationships, intimate relationships are based on time together. As God would say, eyeball to eyeball, literally in the Greek. Ear to ear, mind to mind, heart to heart, in our conversations, in our time spent with each other. You see, people are desperate for intimate relationships, relationships that are solid, relationships that are filled with trust and loyalty, how desperate people are, but they're willing to go after the cheap knockoff. They're willing to go for the one-night stand or I'll be your friend until I find someone better. Horrible. And yet the vast majority of mankind is stuck in that horrible rat race of life that we talked about before. Life that is not life at all. We talked about last week that we need to learn to be present in relationships because if we are not, our relationships will fail to thrive. We talked about that last week. Failure to thrive. Those babies in Belarus that I visited many years ago, they were there and they were blank stares. And even if you touched them, they'd be a blank stare in their little box. And it's because no one had touched them or looked at them or, or, or talked with them. There was a failure to thrive. You know, relationships fail to thrive because people are not present in each other's lives. And you know, marriages fail to thrive because they have not invited God to be present in their marriage relationship. And so this presence is far-reaching and it's in every aspect of our lives. Like we talked about last week, there must be a physical presence. There must be an intellectual presence. There must be an emotional presence and a spiritual presence if you truly want to have an intimacy and a closeness that presence, true biblical presence, promises. People are desperate, like I said, but it's only those who understand the three facets of presence. Only those who understand the three facets of presence, only those can enjoy the amazing blessing of such rich and intimate relationships. Do you want that? Do you want that for your life and for your relationships? I hope so. And so let's begin this morning by looking at the three points. The three points of my lesson. The first one has an acronym of DIP. The second has an acronym of LOW. And the third is an acronym of LOVE. God dipped himself into the cesspool of this world, lowering himself to the, the, the point of a death on a, a criminal's cross, went and paid the full price for your sin so that in love he would raise you up to walk in newness of life. 
And so when you think about the three facets, think about God dipping himself down into this awful cesspool of a world, lowering himself even to the point of death filled with sin so that he might in love raise you and I up into a relationship with him. First point, point number one, the power of his presence in our lives. The Lord is ever present in everybody's life. Can I get an amen on that one? The Lord is present in everybody's life at all times of your life. Even in the most difficult times, God is present. The sad thing is, is we're oftentimes not present with him. But he's always present. But I must go one step further. He desires an intimacy in his relationship with you, in his presence with you. And you know that takes two. But you know what? When we decide to sin, when we decide to live for ourselves, we actually kick God out of our lives. And God says, I give you free will. You choose. But you know what God says? And he said it on the first day of creation. And he says it every day. I choose you. And so take a look at that acronym, DIP, DESIRE. God desires that all would be saved. That's his heart's desire. He desires that none should perish. The word desire is actually used in the scripture. He says, God desires that all should be saved. He desires that all would come to him. He wants to be present intimately with you, just you. Take a look. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. It says it right there. I'm not going to say something that's not in the scriptures. By the way, there's only a couple verses for each one of these, one or two, but there are a lot of passages that, that communicate each one of these truths. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men, all peoples to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth. God desires that nobody would be left out. He wants to be intimately present in their lives, but people through their sin and selfishness have rejected him, but he so desires every soul. By the way, did you know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, bore every single sin of every single human being that's ever lived in his body? I have a litany of verses to prove that. If you don't believe that, talk to me after assembly. It is absolutely true. Go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. That's one of my favorites right there. So he desired a relationship with you and with me. He desires that relationship with everybody. But he desires intimacy. Intimacy. Now what does that mean? That means he wants to dwell not only with us, but he wants to dwell in us. God wants to be one flesh with you. Now that may sound rather odd, but remember when it says in the book of Ephesians, Paul is talking about the husband and the wife relationship, and he says, this mystery is great how a man and a woman can become one flesh. He says, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to what? Christ and the church. God wants an intimate relationship with you that he would be in you and you would be in him. God desires that. 
Now, the scripture that's in your lesson plan, could you change that really quickly? I forgot to put a four in there. It's John, Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 23. John chapter 14 and verse 23. Let's look at that really quickly. John 14 and verse 23. This is a beautiful passage, and it says that God desires to live in your body. John chapter 14 and verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and, and my father will love him and, and we will come to him and make our abode, our dwelling with him. God desires to live in you. One flesh. God has a body. It's the body of Jesus Christ, which is the church. That's you and I. He wants to indwell you and have that intimacy that only that relationship can provide. A marriage relationship. Absolutely amazing. Ryan, could you open that window over there really quickly before we all die of uh, asphyxiation and heat exhaustion? But you know what? The last point in this dip is personal. Jesus Christ created you unique and distinct in your mother's womb. Every single one of us. I would really love to come off this stage and grab one of you and talk to you how amazingly amazing you are. But Brad isn't letting me do that because of this thing right here. So one of these days. You need to recognize and understand that when God made you, he made a brand new person and then he broke the mold because he never wanted to have anybody else like you. He wanted you to be his precious Logan Drillinger. He wanted you to be his precious. Who else I want to pick on here? Ken Wybert. He wanted, oh, it's my one and only Ken Wybert. You go back and you read Psalms 100. And 39, you check me out. That whole thing is about his presence. He created you unique and distinct. There's nobody like you. And because there's nobody like you, you're infinitely valuable. And he was willing to crush his son because you're infinitely valuable. The son of God is infinitely valuable and that's the price. Wow. Look, God desires to be in you. God desires. Now we're going to talk weeks on weeks on how to make sure that you allow God to be in your life. Because you can resist and resist and resist. We want God to be in your life. His power. By the way, you know the stream can rise no higher than its source. Amen? Well, think about that for just a minute. A stream can rise no higher than its source. So look at point number two. Your power is not your own power. Your power is given to you by him. Take a look at point number two. This is, this is the, the how to get into Christ. It says here, the power of our presence is in his life. Our power comes in choosing to be present in him. Our power comes in choosing your free will choice, choosing to be present in him. Now take a look at the low there, love of God. You know what's rather interesting? 
in this passage of Scripture. Go with me to the, the book of Luke and, and chapter 10. You know, we have all sorts of priorities for our lives. You know, we every morning I get up and I, I set my day aright. I list my priorities. I'm a faithful Franklin Covey planner. I list my priorities and I put down, you know, which is most important and which is second most important. And you know what? If you were to take a look at my day planner, as I do every morning, and some of you know this, first priority is to listen to God speak to me. The second priority is for me to speak with him in prayer. My third priority is to hide his word in my heart through scripture memory. I want to give him first place. I want to give it all to him. You say, well, you're a paid preacher. That's why you do that. No, I was doing that way before I became a preacher. I was doing that first year I became a Christian. I started that. We need to recognize and understand that in this passage of Scripture, Jesus tells us what has to be priority for us to draw into him. Take a look. Verse 27, and he answered, Jesus asked the question, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? And this man answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now that's very important. He's not talking just about eternal life. I'll tell you what, you really want to live? Love God more than anyone or anything with your whole being. And if you can love God with your whole being, then you're going to be able to love other people genuinely, sincerely, and they will trust you and that relationship will grow. But if you don't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, there's some areas of selfishness in there, isn't there? You're loving something else. You're loving someone else and God doesn't have that first place, so he can't really teach you how to love the way he loves. Brethren, that first one there, the love of God, you must love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength to draw into his presence. We just read it in John chapter 14 and verse 23. Now, take a look at 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. You know, I have found, and I think you have too, my problem is that my mouth runneth over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I got a grin out of a couple folks. Some of you think, yeah, man, I've been the recipient a couple times. So uh, I'm sorry to say that, but, you know, my mouth runneth over because my mind is so full. But what's in your mind, Mr. Bill? <laughs> and my mouth runneth over with the good things of God. Praise God. My mind is filled with the thoughts of God. But sometimes, you're saying, more often than not. No, 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 I'm working on it. Sometimes, whoops, I slip up and that old stinking thinking pops out of my mouth, right? Now, I know none of you have that problem. I'm just preaching to meet it right now, okay? So it's important for us to understand that we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to surrender ourselves to his mindset. Why do I get up in the morning and read his word every day? Because his word is a lot smarter and a lot wiser and a lot more right than my stinking thinking. 
I want to do it right every day. I want to do it the Jesus way. Now, how do you do that? You need to listen to him to get the word of God in you. Take a look, 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter, chapter, chapter 10, verse 3, 4, and 5. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, though we're in this human body, we do not war according to the flesh. We have a spiritual war going on. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful to the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations. Those are thoughts and ideas that are false. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, that's the lies of the devil. And we are taking every thought captive to who? Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You want to draw into God. You want to have that intimate relationship with God. Then you listen to him and you possess his mind. <laughs> Gentlemen, husbands in the audience. The Bible says, blessed is the man who lives with his wife in an understanding way. You're saying, why do you use that scripture? It's not in your notes. You know, you really need to think about, draw near to, and listen to, and understand the conversations, both verbal and facial and body language, to really have that intimate, wonderful relationship with your wife. You get to know how she thinks. And so when your mouth is open and about to runneth over, you think, oh, that's probably not a good say, thing to say. Now look, we need to draw near to God to understand what is pleasing to him. And the only way to do that is to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How do you do that? By reading and by memorizing and by applying. That's how you do that. But finally, it says here, without exception. What should be without exception? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Are you ready? I'll quote it to you. You already know it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the other stuff in this life is going to go right where it needs to go. Everything's going to be put in its right place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things that you desire will be granted to you. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. King Jesus said that. You want to draw into King Jesus? You want to have a great relationship with King Jesus? Then you need to choose to love him first and foremost and more than anyone or anything. And then you need to choose to listen to him and draw near to him for understanding. And then you need to make sure that he's always first priority. You want a great marriage that never fails? God must be first. His word must be that which dictates how you live as a man or a woman. Now, the last one, the last one here is our power given to us by God to love the unlovable world. To love the unlovable world. Well, let's take a look really quickly. I love this. When we take a look at uh, uh, the, the power of our presence in others' lives, the power of our influence is his presence in our life. Ephesians 5, verse 1, 2, and 3. Look at that. This is our calling in Christ Jesus. 
actually verse 1 and 2. I shouldn't have put verse 3 in there. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk or live in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and what does it say? An offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet aroma. A sweet aroma. I remember a long time ago, a long time ago when I was a young man, I, I wore Jovan Musk because I knew that the commercial said that if I wore Jovan Musk, that I would just be the ladies' man. Well, how many have ever been around somebody who puts too much cologne on? It's like, <laughs> not only did I not have any ladies get excited, they were like running. Their eyes are, I thought I was so compelling that they were crying. Well, I wasn't crying because I was so amazing and they, 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 you know, they just couldn't bring themselves to, to be around me. It's just because my musk stunk so bad. <laughs> you know, it's really, really amazing when you love people like Jesus Christ, you have this sweet, amazing aroma that draws people to you. Really, it's true. You touch the heart of people, and they'll remember you. We need to love like Jesus loved. I'm not going to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 15 through 18, but that will absolutely blow your mind if you read it thoughtfully. If you abide in God, and God abides in you, you abide in his love. Is that called presence? Yes or no? If you abide in God, and God abides in you, and you abide in his love, it says that just as he is, so you will be in this world. When you go to work, who's going to work? Jesus and his love. When you go to the grocery store, if you understand the principle of presence, who goes to the grocery store? Jesus goes to the grocery store. Who touches the heart of that checker or that person pumping gas? Who touches their heart? Jesus touches their heart. Do you understand the presence of God then? When you love as Jesus loved, you'll be concerned. I went skiing with my boys the other day. And every time I got on the ski lift, every time, I said, I thank you, I appreciate it, have a great day. But when I was listening to people getting on the chairlift before me, it's like he's just a, you know, puke, and I just got him a pay, you know, kid at work. I'm just going to get on. And his response, if you remember to me, was, hey, you have a great day too. I had an impact in his life because God wanted to interface. Now, if I see that guy again, I'm going to continue to do that. It's important for us to recognize. There was a man that I was putting signs up down the road. There was a man, I was putting signs up, and I asked him, can I put this sign up by your house? And he was raking leaves, and I asked him, hey, can I help you rake your leaves? And I meant it. I would help him rake his leaves. And I've come to really appreciate this man, John West. I just wanted to help John with his leaves because of the oxygen thing. My dad had one of those. So I thought about my dad. I said, I want to help. That was it. That's all I wanted was to help. Nothing else. John now is a friend. John wants to know how to become a Christian. I really appreciate him. You know, God has gifted him with a servant's heart. How many know he's already had cut a bunch of wood for us already? 
It's pretty amazing. Now, I know, John, you're probably going, don't say anymore. Shut up. <laughs> but you know what? It's just being nice to people like Jesus was nice to people. That's what it is. That's all it is, is being nice. I can't be like, yes, you can just be nice to people. That's the beginning. That's the open door. You want to have, dear friends, the blessing that I now have with this man once and twice a week? Just be a friend. Just be helpful. Just be kind. That's what Jesus was. Amen? Amen? We can do this. And, and the next one, others first. What does Philippians 2 say? Look at Philippians 2. Others first. Put other people's needs first. That's what Jesus did. You know this one. When you put other people's needs first, you're going to freak them out. That's not normal. That's not human. Humans are selfish. How many would agree with that statement? As a general rule, humans are selfish. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. All right. If you don't say amen, you've been living in a different world than I've been living in. Can I go there with you? That might not be the realm of reality, though. All right. Humans tend to be selfish. Christians, Christ ones who live like Jesus because they live in Jesus and Jesus lives in them, they are what? Not normal. Bible says it, strangers and aliens in this world because they think about other people before they think about themselves. There it is, take a look. Colossians and, or Philippians chapter two, great passage of scripture. Many, many of you are aware of, of this passage. Philippians chapter two, verse three, four, and five. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though all he existed in the form of God, he lowered himself and became obedient to the death, death on a criminal cross, bearing your sins and my sins. I don't know about you, but if we want to show Jesus, we need to put other people first. And look at that next word, vindicate. We are vindicated by our actions. Matthew eleven nineteen 19 says, everybody was accusing Jesus. You're the friend of sinners. You eat and drink with drunkards. And Jesus said, you want to know what? Wisdom is vindicated by her children. <laughs> now, if you understand what Jesus was saying, look, when you care about people where they're at, and what their life situation is like. If you'll do that, people will see you as different and they'll want to know about your faith, your Jesus, because he is real. Because they see him in you and in me. How many would agree with this? Talk's cheap. Can I get an amen on that one? Talk's cheap. Talk's cheap. We are vindicated by our actions. The word vindicated is absolutely amazing. Look it up. The word vindicated means actions are proved. Proving an action by its result. That's why it's so important for us to be men and women of integrity. If we say we're going to be somewhere, we're going to be there. 
If we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it better than what we said we did it. Amen? When we borrow somebody something, then we're going to bring that something back to them, and it's going to be in better condition. And if it's not in better condition, you're going to pay for whatever you did to it. And if you ruined it, you're going to buy a new one. That's what is a man or a woman of integrity. In everything, you're thinking of the other person. And then they see, wow, this guy is not just a talking head. And some of you know I don't like preachers very well because oftentimes they're just talking heads. When it comes down to actually investing themselves in people's lives and people's messes, they're not willing to do that. My office hours are so-and-so. You need to come during my office hours. Is that how Jesus did it? Yes or no? Jesus says, when can I come over? When would be a good time for you? That's how Jesus did it consistently. It's important for us to recognize that. Jesus laid down his life for you and me. And if we want to draw people to Jesus, we need to lay our lives down for them. Finally, the last one, it says, excel still more and more until you're perfect in love. Don't head up off of the accelerator. Keep pressing that accelerator down. Excel still more and more. By the way, that word is actually in the Bible. If you think you've arrived, I got news for you. You haven't. Why? How dare you? Well, let the word of God <laughs> communicate. Now, we are called to that perfect love, but that perfect love is right now. What about the next moment? Will your love be perfect then? It's your choice. Excel still more and more. Finish strong. Take a look. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I love this passage. This is such an awesome passage. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3. Be nice if the preacher knew where 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 was, right? So <laughs> that's frightening. All right, here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. In other words, I, I so want to spend time with you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. Not just Christians, we should love all people. Did you catch that one? Excel in our love for all people, just as we do for you. Paul and his companions showed what real love looked like. They laid it down, and so ought we. Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before God our Father and at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more and more. Brethren, that was an awful lot. I remember as a kid, I was trying to take a drink out of a hose when my brothers turned the hose on. Didn't work very well. I know I gave a lot of information to you. I got the scriptures down for you, but I want to ask you three questions. And I don't want you to answer them right now. I want you to answer them in your heart and answer them to God. Are you ready? Three questions, the concluding questions. Question number one. Is the Lord intimately present in my life? By the way, don't use your standard. 
use God's standard, the Bible. Because anybody could say, yep, he is. Really? I couldn't tell. Remember, people look at how you live. I'm just saying. Is the Lord intimately present in your life? By the way, your life and your words and your actions are going to prove. Man, if you've got a foul mouth, like a trash mouth, a potty mouth, is the Lord present in your life? How many times have you seen Jesus cuss somebody out? What's the answer? None. So my point is what? Ask yourself the question, is the Lord present in my life? Here's the second question from point number two. Do you consistently choose to be present in his life? Maybe I should put it this way. Do I consistently choose to be present in the Lord's life? Now be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Is the Lord intimately present in my life? Do I consistently choose to be present in his life? And finally, are you ready? Are you consistently fully present in other people's lives? Are you consistently present in other people's lives? We're supposed to change the world. We're supposed to be the salt of the world. Amen? We're supposed to be the light of the world. Amen? The only way that we can do that is to be present in God and have God present in us. And then be intentional in remembering, oh, I am the light of the world because Jesus is in me. That's how it works. Brethren, my prayer is that as we spend the next year working on the power of presence, God will be fully present in your life. You'll choose to be fully present in His by your choices. And then people will see God in us and they'll want his presence in their life. Amen? It's the only way it's done. There is no other way. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, I thank you so much for the blessing of your word. When you walked in the garden there in the Garden of Eden, you so desperately wanted that wonderful presence with Adam and Eve, and yet they were selfish. They choose to live for themselves and not for you. And of course, your presence was broken. That relationship was broken. Father, you are still now calling out to, to uh, uh, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. You're calling out to us. How we rejected you because we wanted to do what we wanted to do, a selfish life. I pray, Father, that we'd be drawn to you, that we might come into your presence and that you might enter our lives having forgiven us of our sins and filled us with your Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in, in the future. Father, I pray also too that when we do that, people would see Christ in us and the world will be changed. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.